Good morning for Tuesday, May 10, 2011. Audible presents the New York Times Audio Digest. Here's what's on today's front page. Syria official hopes protests are near an end. U.S. was braced to fight its way out of bin Laden raid. And for Gingrich, can an old liability become an asset? In today's national headlines, swollen Mississippi River crowds Memphis. Exonerated inmates challenge lawyers' fees for lobbying. And ex-governor and wife announce separation. In today's business headlines, new concern as S&P downgrades Greek debt. The New Yorker begins to offer iPad subscriptions. And FDIC chairwoman to leave when term ends in July. There will be more business stories along with more national and world news, a roundup from the sports page, and New York Times columnist David Brooks. Now from the editors of the New York Times, here are the stories on today's front page. The top stories reported from Damascus by Anthony Shadid. It's titled, Syria Official Hopes Protests Near End. The Syrian government has gained the upper hand over a seven-week uprising against the rule of President Bashar al-Assad, a senior official declared Monday, in the clearest sign yet that the leadership believes its crackdown will crush protests that have begun to falter in the face of hundreds of deaths and mass arrests. The remarks by Boutanya Shaban, an advisor to Assad who often serves as an official spokeswoman, suggested that a government accustomed to retrenching in the face of crises is prepared to weather condemnation and sanctions. Her confidence came in stark contrast to just two weeks ago when the government appeared to stagger before the resilience of protesters. I hope we are witnessing the end of the story, she said in an hour-long interview, during which a reporter was allowed into Syria for only a few hours. I think now we've passed the most dangerous moment. I hope so. I think so, she said. Her comments were a rare window on the thinking of a government that has barred most foreign journalists from Syria since the beginning of the uprising, which has threatened 40 years of rule by the Assad family. While much of the world has viewed the protest as popular demands for sweeping change in one of the region's most authoritarian countries, Shaban cast it as an armed uprising, a characterization the government has relied on to justify a ferocious crackdown. The crackdown intensified Monday on the outskirts of Damascus and in three other towns and cities across the country, with security forces raiding hundreds of houses and arresting men between the ages of 18 and 45, human rights groups and activists said. The military has deployed tanks in Banias on the Mediterranean coast, Homs in central Syria near the Lebanese border, and Tafas, an arrestive region in the south, they said. Banias has emerged as a focus of the crackdown, Amnesty International said Monday that more than 350 people, including 48 women and a 10-year-old child, were arrested there over the previous three days, with scores detained in a soccer field. More raids were carried out in Homs, a city that has proved among the most restive. At least nine soldiers were said to have defected, but that could not be confirmed. They want to finish everything this week, a human rights advocate in the city, Syria's third largest, said by telephone. No one in the regime has a clear policy. They cannot keep this strategy for a long time. We need political solutions, not more tanks. This is the second front page story. U.S. was braced to fight way out of bin Laden raid. President Obama insisted that the assault force hunting down Osama bin Laden last week be large enough to fight its way out of Pakistan if confronted by hostile local police officers and troops, senior administration and military officials said Monday. 
In revealing additional details about planning for the mission, senior officials also said that two teams of specialists were on standby, one to bury bin Laden if he was killed, and a second composed of lawyers, interrogators, and translators in case he was captured alive. That team was set to meet aboard a Navy ship, most likely the aircraft carrier Carl Vinson in the North Arabian Sea. Obama's decision to increase the size of the force sent into Pakistan shows that he was willing to risk a military confrontation with a close ally in order to capture or kill the leader of al-Qaeda. One senior Obama administration official pressed on the rules of engagement for one of the riskiest clandestine operations attempted by the CIA and the military's Joint Special Operations Command in many years, said, Their instructions were to avoid any confrontation if at all possible, but if they had to return fire to get out, they were authorized to do it. The planning also illustrates how little the administration trusted the Pakistanis as they set up their operation. They also rejected a proposal to bring the Pakistanis in on the mission. With tensions between the United States and Pakistan escalating since the raid, American officials on Monday sought to tamp down the divisions and pointed to some encouraging developments. A United States official said that American investigators will soon be allowed to interview bin Laden's three widows now being held by Pakistani authorities, a demand that Obama's national security adviser Tom Donilon made on television talk shows on Sunday.